What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Talking About? Presented by Fenley Road Sports. My name is Bob. As always, I'm talking out. I'm talking with my older brother, Chris. If you're here looking for NCAA men's basketball tournament discussion, believe you me, we really want to talk about it. We want to talk about it so much that we are doing bonus editions for the entirety of the tournament. So definitely check out the one episode that we published last week, which is all about Selection Sunday, and we're previewing our brackets. And look forward to the episode that's coming out in the middle of the week where we'll review the first two rounds of the tournament and look forward to the Sweet 16. That being said... Oh, go ahead, Chris. Uh, not to ruin anything, but if you missed that first episode before you filled out your brackets, you missed some good advice. Yeah, we're sitting pretty. We're looking really good right now at the start of this episode. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about some of the stuff we talked, we predicted. Yeah, so we we got a little teaser for you guys. But if you missed that first episode before you filled out your brackets, you missed out on some good advice. That's all I gotta say. Uh, but absolutely. I, so. Fun times. Yeah. So now that we're consolidating the tournament into a bonus edition, we had a little trouble thinking about what to talk about this week. And so what we decided was not to do the typical uh, review of what happened or preview what's going to happen, but we're going to take a step back and tour through a couple of the leagues that we like to follow and just ask a, a more theoretical question about each one and and try and get some debate going and seeing you know the state of these leagues and and where they're going and what needs to be fixed so Chris I'll ask you the first question um, and this one is probably the most relevant in the news and it has been for a while but with Chris Borland at age 24 announcing his retirement from the NFL uh, and citing concussions and mental health as, as a main issue do you think that this is the start of something new and a trend that has to be uh, the NFL has to be concerned about, or do you think it's an outlier in what is a, a a machine, a well-oiled machine? Well, I certainly think the NFL has to be concerned about anything with regards to concussions at this point, uh, given that they just had a uh, nearly a billion dollar settlement that's still kind of in the works with retired players uh, going on. So concussions are definitely a huge topic. For the league, and in the immediate term, it's it's a very immediate trend because Jake Locker retired, uh, citing health issues, and Patrick Willis also mm-hmm. retired, citing health issues. So you had three very prominent players. Uh, well, two of them not as prominent as Patrick Willis, but you had three players who were in their prime or just starting their career retiring well before the uh, typical age. So, yeah, to answer the question, I definitely think it's something the NFL needs to be concerned about because any time uh, with concussions, you, you've got to be concerned about it. Just it's, it's the hot-button issue for the NFL. It's the one that could trickle down and affect a lot of other, or a lot of other levels of football all the way down to high school. And, uh, yeah, it's something, it's something that's definitely going to affect the game, uh, especially if other players kind of wake up and say, hey, you know, I've banked a lot of money. Why do I need to sign another contract? I can just retire and, and kind of keep some years off my li- on my life. Not off my life, but on my life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Patrick Willis, his, his issue, he, he's played over seven years in the NFL, and he's not the first guy to retire kind of on top. You know, Jim Brown did it. Barry Sanders did it. Now Patrick Willis has done it. I'm sure other guys have done it as well. Uh, I think Chris Borland is a special issue because he, he's played one year in the league and showed tons of promise. Jake Locker was a guy, the only knock you had against him was he could never stay on the field. So he has to be hurting off the field right now, you know, dealing with nagging injuries. And he probably just sat back this year and said, I my body can't take it. I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. Borland, he made a preemptive strike. You know, he some there, some reports say he has a nagging shoulder issue, but in terms of general health, he said he has two reported concussions ever, like from eighth grade to professionals. Uh, so he he's he's different, and I think the NFL and it, it made everybody do a kind of a double take. Like, why is this young kid turning away millions of dollars to to be a to to take a preemptive step against his health? Um, yeah, so I think that's concerning, but it's hard to walk away from millions of dollars, man. And for every Chris Borland, there are 
you know, there's a whole veterans combine right now just looking to get another spot onto a roster. It would take, I would say, 10 Chris Borlands every year for the next 10 years for the NFL to have a real issue and to really take notice. Otherwise, I think it's kind of an outlier and guys that are smart enough and have enough support and stability in their life to make a smart decision and look out for their health, they can walk away. But there are a lot of guys that just can't walk away from that kind of money. And Chris Borland, it's not like he banked a ton of money. He played one year on a rookie deal, and there's a report out there saying he is going to pay back about uh, three-fourths of his uh, signing bonus. So it's not like he's... uh, you know, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or someone like that, or even Patrick Willis, who has uh, signed a big contract and has a ton banked up. I think he's ultimately going to yep. end up with about $200,000. Now, that is a lot of money, but for just one year of your life, I mean, he's still going to have to work. I mean, he's still going to have to have a job the rest of his life. He can't just sit back and retire to an island or something like that. So he's not a guy who's been in the light forever. He didn't sign a huge contract. So he's definitely going to have, you know, to make some other choices with his life. And and obviously we hope that everything works out for him and that his health will be okay and that he didn't do himself any permanent damage while he was in the league. But I kind of agree with you. I think Chris Borland is a major outlier. I don't think people who work their whole lives to get to the NFL are just going to retire after one year if they can still play the game. I think they're too competitive. There is way too much money at stake, way too much fame at stake. I don't think that this incident alone is going to affect the game, but I think this in the grand scope of concussions and the issue of concussions could potentially affect the game. You know, there's a recent study that found 76 of 79 studied deceased NFL players had degenerative brain disease. Uh, Also in this study by the Department of Veterans Affairs, of the 128 football players who played some level of football, these aren't just NFL players, this is high school, college, and pro, 101, or about 80% of them, tested positive for CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And yes, I practiced that word about 10 times before we recorded this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, CTE is the big, uh, the big thing uh, with the concussions. And 100, right. 101 out of 128, uh, you know, tested positive for them. But here's the interesting stat. Last football season, last high school football season, so from the 2013 uh, high school football season, the National Federation of State High School Associations found that high school football participation actually increased by 6,600 kids, just shy of 1.1 million total for the U.S., and this was the first increase in participation in the last five years. So that kind of surprised me that, you know, Five years it had been declining, concussion news has only been getting more and more uh, prevalent, and yet last yeah. season it actually increased. So it's clear that the concussion issue has not made its way down to the grassroots like a lot of people have feared, that parents are still letting their kids play football. And I think that's the big issue. It's when the parents start thinking, hey, I'm not going to let my son play this game, then that's when the NFL and the colleges are going to have uh, – a bigger problem on their hands. Yeah, I I do see in the future, say 10 or 20 years from now, watching a football game is going to look completely different. And it, it's already trending that way. The the protections and, and the, the penalties that they call now to protect the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, I think it's only going to get go, trend more in that direction. And I think that, yeah, parents are are going to be more conscious even though the stats say that that they're not at this point I, I think that eventually they're gonna start turning their kids away from football but that being said they're they're just their place is just going to be taken by somebody else and so the level of athleticism might not be the same the the the, the athletes that are in football might be baseball players or soccer players in 20 years but we're still going to have an nfl and it's still going to be spectacle that i I, I, ne- I don't see it ever going away because it's such it's such a machine right now that generates so much cash. There are always going to be guys willing to play and sacrifice their health for it. And uh, the, the NFL recognizes that and at least recognizes a little bit that 
if they make a few changes to make the illusion that the game is at least a little bit safer, that, that they're in a good spot. And so I, I, I don't see it going away, but concussions, they definitely need to, to, to be aware of the issue and, and to, to do something about it. And I think they're going to start to. Yeah, the only thing I would say is uh, I don't know if concussions will be the issue, and I don't know if the NFL will be the sport, but 100 years ago in the early 1900s, the three biggest sports were baseball, horse racing, and boxing, and only one of those sports can still be considered one of the three biggest sports at this century, and that would be baseball. So I I don't know what the change will be, but I do, if I were to bet in the next 50 years, one of these three leagues, either baseball basketball or football is going to something's going to happen and there, there's going to be a big step back and it could either be concussions it could be something else but you know right now the smart money's on concussions at the safety of the game nfl you know why is boxing yeah. not popular anymore it's largely to do because of the violent nature of the game i mean it's it's it was well, you can't even really call it a game it's a it's a very violent uh combative sport and yeah. that's largely why it lost its popularity that and other greedy things. But I think that yeah. between that and, and, and just the general greed of sports, how things are getting bigger and bigger, and this constant notion that we can stretch the fans' dollars further and further, it's it's a dangerous path. And, I, you know, the one thing that I'll, I'll always say is things are going to change. You know, things rise to the top. Of, there's only one way to go once you get there. And the NFL is doing great right now, but... 25 years is a very long time, and it wouldn't shock me if the NFL or any of these leagues took a step back in some way, shape, or form. So do you do you have a prediction for the future? Do you, do you see it <laughs> as, you know, I, I kind of said that it, it's not going away, that's still going to be as popular as ever. Do you, do you, do you see it, it, it falling to second or third in terms of popularity? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And I don't know if our write it down pages will make it for 25 years to. Yeah, see this if I'm is right. a write it down. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure. To, to be perfectly honest, uh, it might not even be the NFL. I, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. But I do think it's a very intriguing time in professional sports because there, there, there's, there are a lot of possibilities out there. There are a lot of other sports out there that could fill the void if something were to happen with the big three. And I yeah. think that, you know, be it soccer, be it something else, be it something we haven't even caught wind of yet, uh, I don't know. But I do think that people want to be entertained by athletics in some way, shape, or form. And if these sports do something to really alienate their fan bases or just alienate the masses in some way, that there will be something else to take its place. We've seen it. Over the last hundred years, there's no reason to think that the next hundred years will be drastically different. All it takes is one screw up, one mess up, one misstep, one big event to really change the course of a, of a sports tra- trajectory. Interesting. Well, when we're doing when we're doing our ten thousandth episode, we'll we'll play this one back and <laughs> and see see where we're at <laughs> with the NFL. <laughs> I hope we get to 10,000, man. That would be a nice run. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, you want to hop to a different league? Yeah, let's, let's, let's switch gears over to the NBA a little bit. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the labor strike coming up. Well, not really, but everyone seemed to, seems to believe that the players are going to opt out of the uh, collective bargaining agreement, and there will be a long labor dispute, largely because the NBA just signed... Uh, huge new television contract that's going to have massive ramifications on the league salary cap and all this fun stuff uh, effective in the uh, next couple of years here. But my interesting question is, now that all these teams are going to have this extra anywhere from 15 to $20 million in cap space, is it time we start looking at some NBA draft reform? And I'm not talking about that silly idea of rotating the number one pick over 30 years. I'm talking about... The wheel. Yeah, the wheel. I'm talking more about what if the NBA fully funded a D-League, as in subsidized it like they kind of do the WNBA, and 
every team owned an affiliate and it became a true minor league system more like the way baseball uses the minor leagues so i i like that idea i think that sounds fun especially considering every year now you have a top 10 a potential top 10 nba draft prospect go overseas to play instead of going to do a one and done year in the ncaa i think you know there have been guys in the past 10 years lebron being the 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 one that comes to my memory the strongest who have proven that an 18 year old can play in the nba uh, and there have been a whole bunch of one and done guys that I'm pretty sure would have been able to play in the NBA at age 18 since him. Uh, but I want the talent to stay to stay in America, and I want the 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 leagues to be able to develop them. I don't want these guys going to random leagues in Israel or China or or Europe to develop instead of going instead of not getting paid and playing in college. I think yeah, I like the idea of paying these guys a livable wage like a triple a baseball player where they could make a good amount of money while developing and then being eligible to play in the nba that being said there's still a lot of risk in taking a 19 year old kid in the draft and i i wish there was a different way where i'm I'm actually kind of a proponent of just raising the draft limit the draft age to one more year it's maybe two years removed from high school where you have a little bit more data to take a risk on these guys because outside of the top five any year, there's a serious gap in the talent and in the the, the probability that they're going to pan out as a player. Um, so, yeah, I, I like your idea. I'm interested in what you have to say about it, but I think I think they need to do something for sure. I'm actually a very interesting scenario that may or may not actually be played out. I agree there needs to be more data on a player, and, but here's the thing. First off, to your point about 18-year-olds making it, the guys like Kevin Garnett and uh, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and guys that had to go to college like Kevin Durant and Derrick Rose and John Wall, let's just be real, they were going to make it no matter what. We're not talking about yeah. sending those guys to the D-League here. We're talking about other guys like second-round picks who Bob mentioned get stashed overseas, or some of them only sign a one-year deal like they did with Philadelphia and wind up in Houston, or don't sign at all right. and get relegated to the D-League and are in pur- purgatory forever. Talking about the D-League right now, only 17 teams own their own club, and then the other 13 share one D-League affiliate. So I did a little research on it. I'm not 100% sure how that works and all the economics of the D-League are right now, but I heard in my research that players get paid, on average, about $15,000 to $25,000 a season down there. Now, that's assuming they don't sign any 10-day contracts with their parent club and whatnot, and sometimes they work out deals with rookies where they call them up a bit. And and, and there, there is some funky economics that work there. So my proposal doesn't take into account all the intricacies of the D-League because I'm not 100% sure what all the financial rules are. But here's what I would propose. First off, I think that the NBA should elevate, fully fund the D-League. All 30 teams have an affiliate. All 30 teams have a allotted uh, sort of salary that they can pay these guys, and obviously it would be paid more. Get that salary up to closer to maybe not the veterans minimum, but somewhere in the high five figures, low six figures, taking a little bit better care of these players. Secondly, I actually disagree with raising the age limit. I think they should lower the age limit to 18 years old and change the NBA draft to the way the MLB draft works in that a player can declare for the NBA draft. If he is drafted in the first round, he must sign with an NBA team. If he is not, like in baseball, he has the option to not sign and go back to college, but he cannot redeclare for the draft for two seasons. Now, I also think that if 
you declare for the draft, they would sign some sort of a waiver or something along those lines. They, they would have to lock in the first-round picks so that way superstars can't just play which team I'm going on. There would need to be some right. little tinkering there. But I think that's a healthy compromise because then if you make an ill-advised decision and get drafted late, you can say, hey, I want to go develop in college instead of the D-League. Or you can say, you know what, I want to develop in the D-League and get paid. And then you rig it so that NBA teams, these second-round contracts, are up to three years, and you can opt them up and down from the D-League for three years and work out sort of the financial ramifications of the salary cap in some way, shape, or form. That is my general sort of solution. That way you kind of give these kids... A chance to go pro, the ones who can go pro right out of high school will, but the ones who aren't ready yet still don't lose out on the college game, and it helps solve the problems for the colleges themselves, because then they know these kids are locked in for two years. The kids have their chance at the draft, they've discovered they weren't good enough, and they can still go to college if they don't want to develop in the D-League. Yeah, I like it. I I, I, it's hard to compare MLB to, to basketball because, you know, there are, what, f- 15 rounds in the MLB draft and there are only two in the NBA. I well, think, you know, uh, there are only this, 60 people. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Under this proposal, if all 30 teams are funding D-League teams and actually subsidizing them and putting this kind of effort, I would propose expanding the draft to by one or two more rounds so you can feed okay. these teams on a consistent basis. Yeah, and the other thing I'm just concerned about is I think the life of a of a prep blue chip basketball prospect compared to the life of a blue chip baseball prospect is a lot different with just the culture and I think basketball players they're all just a lot more confident in their abilities and I think even with the system set up for them to succeed a lot of them are just going to declare for the draft and, and try and get as much money and realize like not really understand the system is built for them to develop into a better player. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that because I think a baseball player at age 18, he looks at his life and unless he's getting that huge payday in the first round, he, he realizes that he's probably six years away from playing in the MLB. Whereas a basketball player that declares he he sees himself playing in just two years you know I don't know I'm I'm concerned about that and I think that allowing the 18 year olds to to come into the league I, I don't know like the rookies of the year they're really good and even this goes even back to LeBron like they they've proven that they can play but they can't they've never carried a team into the playoffs, you know, like they need years upon years of developing to, to get good. I just want to find a way where 18 year olds and 19 year olds aren't on an NBA roster where they're developing somewhere else. And eventually they can be called up to supplement the grown men that are playing the game. That's, that's exactly what I'm proposing, man. Is that if you get drafted late or even if you get drafted in the first round, you know, an 18 year old could start off in the D League if he's not ready. But if he's Kevin, or not Kevin Garnett, well, yeah, Kevin Garnett or Kevin Durant, and he shows that he has the talent or LeBron James, then he can bypass the D League. But, you know, if, if the D League is there and it's another option for the, the teams themselves to oversee the development of these players, you know, it kind of takes the burden off the colleges. It eliminates some of the one and done issues that are in college and kind of puts it under the pros. You have another league. And you might have some star players in that league that would develop. And I, I don't know. I think it would be, I think it kind of solves a lot of the issues that, that you just brought up. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just hesitant about it. But I don't have a, a better solution. That's a really good thought out solution. One idea that I always like to float around is, is bringing, is making the NBA more like, a, like the champions or, like a premier league in soccer and having relegation and all that and kind of having a 40 team NBA where you have a, you know, a top tier and a bottom tier where the talent, I, I don't know. I always like that idea that, that gets floating around every once in a while where you have a, 
we have relegation, but I, I like your system. It's, it sounds good. Well, the thing about relegation is it's a cool concept, but I think it's a largely a foreign concept. I think a lot of fans yeah. would have a hard time wrapping their head around it. I think we're so ingrained with this regular season tournament culture that that kind of a radical change would be a hard sell. Me personally, I think it would be kind of fun. It would be something yeah, a little too. different. But at the same time, I could see a lot of fans just saying, wait, this makes no sense. Why is my team going down? And all that fun stuff and yeah i don't know and and any so any solution that that uh would involve the nba to add franchises i would probably be against because i think the nba is uh big enough as it is oh yeah and the talent level the talent disparity is is off the charts yeah i know it's the worst in the... we already have a relegated league it's called the eastern conference <laughs> that's very true <laughs> but um but I'm also just kind of sick of uh, these teams drafting like international prospects. And then there's that guy the Thunder just traded who's been – they've had the rights to him for five years and he's played in Europe yeah. forever. And it's yeah, like, who's, we, we talked about that one guy during the NBA trade, de- trade deadline that has been traded three times this year and he was drafted in 04, I think. I forget his name, but he <laughs> – He's yeah. just like a he's just a name on paper that is, is thrown around in, in a trade deal. Yeah, I think I think the salary cap and the way the salaries work also need to be reformed if you're gonna adopt this the system that you proposed because the the second round picks are now perceived as ways to get around salary maneuvers to mm-hmm. to to make a trade and so yeah I I I think that that needs some look look some looking at as well. Oh, I certainly think that if this idea is going to be implemented, there's going to be a lot of ramifications that I, I don't have knowledge of because the, the MBA salary cap is almost as bad as the IRS tax code. And in fact, I just did my taxes a couple of weeks ago. I think it's easier than figuring yeah. out MBA salary structures. It's ridiculous. And I, I, I'm certain that my idea has a lot of other financial ramifications and issues that need to be sorted out. But I, I don't see why it couldn't happen if yeah. everyone's serious about making it happen. And that's the key. And I yeah. just don't know how serious the league is about fully funding a D-League or even having a minor league system as comprehensive as baseball has and working yeah. their draft that way. It would make sense to me because you could develop a lot of good role players in if you ran the same system. I feel like it could be very successful, but I just it, I just feel like it would take a lot of minds thinking in a different direction in order for it to happen. Yeah, for sure. Without the the proposed fully funded D League and, and draft reform, just in general, do you like the age limit that it's at? Do you think it needs to be raised, or do you think it should be back to eighteen? Like say next year they raise the age limit to twenty, would you be a proponent for that, or would you do you like it where it is? I don't think that they're going to be able to raise the age limit because I think the union is very much set against it. But if we're talking hypotheticals and they could do either, I honestly I kind of want it to go back to eighteen. And just okay. let these kids try the NBA out of high school and let college develop kids who want to be in college. Yeah. Because I just think that if you're good enough to play, you're good enough to play. I don't think two years of college helped Blake Griffin. I don't think one year of college helped Kevin Durant. I don't think these guys got any better from their one year. And I certainly don't think one year of college helped Greg Oden. I think Greg Oden would have been much better off if he had saved his wear and tear for a year and just went right to the pros, even though he would have had to develop a little bit. Um, but, you know, and, and for every one of those guys, there are a lot of other guys who bust, you know, Sebastian Telfair, all these other yeah. guys who didn't make it. But I don't think that's any different than guys who come out of college versus guys who come overseas. There's always going to be the exceptions are always going to be the guys who make it because the nature of the system is there aren't a lot of talented people who are can succeed at that level. If there were, there would be thirty. There would be a lot of lot more teams who were contenders. Right. But I just think that if a kid's good enough to play in the NBA, 
just let him go play in the NBA and leave college for the kids who want to be there and want to develop there. Yeah, I actually I think it should be raised to twenty. I, you know, you, you named a lot of the the surefire number one picks, but there are also down years in the draft where it it's where GMs are just clearly clueless about who is the best player in the draft. I mean, see Anthony Bennett, twenty thirteen, right, two years ago. Like, yeah, he was just a, he's a disaster, and he's no, he should have been like a a late round pick, a developmental pick, but because of the burden that was put upon him as a first round as the top pick, like he's never going to succeed because of that burden. I think another year of game film of game tape probably would have seen that he's not the number one pick in, in the league. And I, I think that happens a lot, especially look at, here's just another one, like, you know, Kyrie Irving's draft. There are only five games. I think he played, seven games in duke he didn't play a whole lot yeah i think it was closer to 11 it was either seven or 11 something around but it wasn't a lot it was less than a third of the season yeah and believe it or not there was a huge debate as to whether or not he was the surefire number one pick a lot of people thought Derek williams should be the number one pick or even ian's canter ian's canter was floating around there too yeah and and ian's canter turned out to be pretty good but if you look at the the rest of the top 10, there are question marks on all those guys. I think another year would have proven would have set the order and I think it a tanking season in the NBA to get in the top 5 is so awful. It is it's probably the worst thing to watch in all in all of sports in terms of losing teams. Like a team tanking in the NBA is just awful theater. And to get to that level and then to get Anthony Bennett as your draft pick is just, I, I think I want more surefire. I know I'm going to get a, a stud and I think another year would help with that. Yeah. I definitely think uh, if you have two years to watch a guy develop, uh, it certainly would help with that. I think I would prefer that the NBA, if they were going to go that way, they, instead of raising the age limit and passing it off to college, they would instead focus on, you know, going more the route I talked about earlier and getting a D-League that can develop these guys. But I I do agree with you. I think that if you have more data on a player, if you can see a guy play for two years, you can help make more informed decisions. But again, like you said, it's a a crapshoot. Though I do want to talk about the Kyrie Irving draft. I did say at the time that the Cavs should have taken... Kyrie Irving and Kawhi Leonard. I, I had said at the time that Kawhi Leonard <laughs> is actually the number two player in this draft, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that he has turned out to be the number two player in that draft. Though I will say Tristan Thompson has developed into a much better player than I think a lot of people thought he would, and he's <laughs> definitely shown a lot of uh, just improvement in each of his four years. So I've been very impressed with uh, Tristan Thompson, even though at the time I didn't know a lot about him. So when you don't know a lot about about a player, you want to freak out, but generally just give the guy a chance and and see what happens. And Tristan has definitely turned into uh, quite a find for the Cavs. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to do this, I said Clay Thompson at four, but We'll we'll talk about that later. Okay, okay. we can talk about that another time. Yeah, we can we can get into a, a draft recap a little bit later. But uh, I think we covered the NBA pretty thoroughly there. There there's going to be a lot of issues in that league over the next couple of years because uh, storms are brewing with the uh, union and the and the uh, owners. And I'm I'm fairly confident there will be another uh, big labor debate whether or not it leads to a lockout. Uh, we'll see in a couple of years here. Yeah, but, I see some blood being spilled. Almost oh, definitely, the players are preparing for war. It's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be ugly. But anyway, uh, moving over to baseball, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about you know pace of play and other things, just generally making the game faster, more exciting, things like that. So I guess to ask you, pitching this one to you, you know, how can we make baseball more entertaining? and reach a larger audience over the next couple of years. Yeah, well, I think they are making a conscious effort with the pace of play rules that they're rolling out in spring training. 
I think that that will only help. I know there a lot of the players are complaining about it, how it's it's only helping the pitchers and all that. But you watch a, a Red Sox Yankees game, it is it it's a four hour affair. And oh it's not fun. Gosh. And they, I mean, they st- they statistically play the longest games, and when they get together, it's even longer, especially when it's on ESPN. It's just, it's just it takes way too long. Baseball well, I think they should inject be too- more commercials in those games too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, it's just because it's on ESPN. There's more commercials, and then it's Yankees, Red Sox. I'm sure there's even more commercials. Baseball needs to be a two to three hour event, depending on you know the run scored and all that. There's a lot of flexibility for time, but anything longer than that is just is just killer. So I think pace of play, that's a, definitely a good step in the right direction to just make it more entertaining, especially considering attention spans are only getting shorter. I also think that <laughs> they are meant we're in the Twitter age. Like everyone wants highlights. You want highlight reels and, you know, sifting through four and a half hours of Red Sox Yankees. It isn't, isn't fun. <laughs> and, you know, going off of that, uh, people want to see home runs and MLB post steroids era has make, made a clear decision to not promote offense and promote home runs. But, Home runs are what sell, and there's a reason why baseball was incredibly pop- popular in the late 90s. It's because those dudes were cranking out home runs. Now it was dirty, and they should all be ashamed of it. Like it, It's not a good time to remember, but it was incredibly popular, and it was because Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa were having these home run races. And we had so, pretty big Mac and Sammy Sosa debate. I remember when they were both chasing down that record, and you were for Sosa, I was for Big Mac. It was kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody had a debate there. I mean, when Barry Bonds was chasing it, Luis Gonzalez was right behind him too. So that, I mean, that just, that transcended the teams and people tuned in to watch and you never see that anymore. So, you know, and baseball purists will be crotchety and say that like they like it like this, but I want the sport to be popular and people to be excited about it because, you know, baseball has a special spot of nostalgia in my heart. So I wanted to see it succeed. I think that uh, means you have to lower the mound. They do that every 10 to 15 years. They adjust the mound to adjust uh, the leverage that the pitcher can get. I think you need to make it a little more even for batters so that they can start hitting the ball more. I think you need to remove yourself from a dead ball era and maybe think about adding a little juice into the ball, which they've done periodically at times to get more offense or to get more deep or to get to to sway the favor in the batter or the pitcher's realm i i they just need to make it more entertaining and have more uh pitch, pitching duels are so fun to watch if you're a baseball fan but if you go with your friend who's not a baseball fan and it's a one nothing game at, at, at the end they're, they they want to go in the seventh inning and you need to you need to make it more fun and i think pace of play and home runs is, is are really the only two ways you can you can make it more exciting. Well, to, to your point about the time, I actually think uh, three hours is the perfect time for a baseball game. Three innings an hour, unless it goes into extras, should be done within, you know, two and a half to three, maybe 315 if there's a lot of runs scored or something like that. So I agree with you there. As far as the offensive changes, I, I they've done it before. I wouldn't be opposed to it if they did it, but I hope that they don't kind of resort to that because I, I do like baseball the way it is now, and I don't think that there needs to be home runs left and right like there were in the 90s for it to get popular again. Yeah, well, there never will be again because of, of steroids. Like They were cranking out home runs at a historic level, but since then they, they've, they've definitely put the favor towards the pitcher, and they've raised the mound, and they've allowed the ball to be super dead and i think they just they need to to start making some rules for the for the offense and let the offense succeed for once no i mean that's definitely a fair point and i would just hope that it wouldn't change it to the point where it's it slants in the other direction you know what i mean like i feel like the nfl is going that way where it's changed and changed and changed and now it's you know turning into a sort of a higher scoring league and I kind of like it yeah. but I kind of don't and you I, 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 I would, for basketball too 
Right, no, certainly. I mean, the, the, these rule changes happen all the time, and I, I'm not, not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I just hope that if they do it, it would just be a little tweak to give the hitters a little bit of an edge, but not yeah. skew it to the point where we're bashing all these home runs like in the 90s. Like, if that, if that naturally happened, it would be great, but I don't want to just recreate that just to recreate that because I do think it would cheapen it a little bit if they slanted it too far. Sure. Um, I have a very radical idea for baseball, actually. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> Chop two months off the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, that's the, the big version of the pace of play. I totally agree. I mean, I, just just think about this, though. What if the two worst months in all the sports are July and August? And what if baseball played September baseball, the intense regular season games in July, in the summer, when nothing else is going on? They'd own it. It would be the only thing talked about. What if the MLB playoffs was in the best part of summer? Baseball are the boys of summer. Why are they playing their playoff games in the snow? Play it in August. Perfect weather. Perfect for baseball. Play your best baseball in August. 120 games. 60 home. 60 away. Hey, you want to know why the NFL is so popular? There are only eight chances to see your home team and not counting the preseason unless your team makes the playoffs. Hey, less, if there's less of something, there's not as much chance to see it, which means people are going to make it more of a priority. I think if you cut two months out of baseball, not only would more people go, not only would it generate more buzz, but it would be the only thing talked about on ESPN and all the sports channels because there is nothing happening in July except for baseball as it is. So why yeah. not just take over those two months and dominate and own it? And then baseball wouldn't have to compete with the NFL, wouldn't have to compete with the start of the NBA. It would have its own month. And the only thing it would compete with is NBA free agency. That's just for a few days. That's just for a few days. Free agency fizzles out after a few days in all sports. Baseball would own it. And they would just completely own it. And I think it would just take off to whole new levels. It would put less wear and tear on these pitchers, less wear and tear on these batters. You're seeing all these pitchers getting hurt with Tommy John surgery. I, I think it would be phenomenal for the game. To me, less is more. Keep the people wanting more, but never give them more. Always keep them wanting more. And that right. raises the value of what you got. That's why the NFL is so popular. That's why the NFL is so successful because everyone screams for more, but the NFL doesn't give it to them. Baseball needs to take a step back. If it did, it would take a massive leap forward. I, I just think that would just be, no one would talk about the length of baseball games. It would be so much fun. Everyone would just be waiting for August and it would be the only thing to talk. They blow preseason football out of the water, I think. I, I playoff baseball would blow preseason football out of the water. Yeah, I mean, I, I postseason baseball is amazing, and to have it on an even bigger scale, on a on a larger scale with more people watching would be would be fantastic. I love that idea. I, I'm in total agreement with you. And here's what you could replace your September and October baseball with: every four years, you slot the World Baseball Classic in there. Yeah, no. Have international competition in September and October. That yeah. way you're not cutting into March and, and running it in this. Right now the World Baseball Classic is a sideshow for America. But if it was playing in September and October, now you can legitimately send some of your guys when they're already, you know, at their peak form and even yeah. fresher because some of these guys ended in July. I, I think it would grow on a mammoth level if it – if they just take a little step back, that, that's a radical idea that may never happen, probably will never happen, but it makes a lot of sense. No, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, the World Baseball Classic, I love the idea of it, but it's never going to be legitimate until the Americans are actually field a really good team. And that's not me being jingoistic or anything. It's just it's an American sport. The best talent is still majority American. Uh, 
but they're always so bad in the world baseball classic it's because they're not ready and they don't take it seriously I, I definitely think if they put it in september with your proposed season cut they would actually you know be ready for it they could field a training camp in august while the playoffs are going on kind of have like a like a pro bowl rule maybe where if you're in the world series like if you're in the super bowl you don't you're not eligible but still they would field an awesome team well and and you think about this though what makes the world cup special is that it's not just the world cup there are a lot of regional international soccer tournaments every year it's not just every four years baseball could do that too if they only played four months they'd have fresher players their players will be locked and loaded, ready to go for international competition. It would be ingrained into the baseball season. Instead of this burdensome seventh month, instead of this, you know, cheapened training camp that the Americans look at, they're focusing on the on the big season. They don't care about this. Their bread yeah. and butters are with the big season. But if you take that burden off of them, and they've only played four months, and then you put the big world competition in September and October, you could have more qualifying rounds or a national championship or, or something like that, you know, to hold people over and, and just make international baseball part of baseball and broaden it to a whole new audience. And there would be a lot of television dollars if it took off. I mean, baseball is huge in Japan. It's huge down in Latin America. I think it could, it could really have some legs and people would be drawn to it because it would be a better product. International baseball would be a better product, and the Americans would back it more if they didn't have to add a seventh month and potentially endanger their career to embrace it. For sure, I, I totally agree. I would love it. I, I, I think, I think both of our ideas were just we need. To, it needs to be more exciting. It's too slow and too boring, and we need to inject it with some excitement any way possible well it, it, like you said it's boring for people who don't like baseball and i think for the people who don't like baseball it'll always be boring but i do agree i think that, that baseball needs to baseball could be so popular on the world level if it just thought outside the box a little bit and just embrace the concept of maybe a little bit less is is a little bit better but for sure yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll uh, send uh, the new commissioner this uh, podcast and see if he agrees with us. Yeah, we should. We can tweet What's his name? Mer- Mer- Moncrief? Or... I was actually going to ask you. I'm kind of ashamed now. I don't know his new name. I was going to say Bud Selig, but I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm so used to saying Bud Selig. He just retired. I feel kind of ashamed doing a sports podcast. But Starts with an M. But yeah, man, some sad news out of the NBA to kind of close up with a few quick hitters here. Uh, Kevin Durant, Thunder just can't catch a break. Kevin Durant looks like he might not come back. Serge Ibaka out for a while. Westbrook's a might had to having a great season, but I do not like the Thunder's chances uh, if he's their only guy, especially if they have to play the Warriors in the first round. Yeah, definitely. It's it's sad because this is you know looking forward, this could be their last best chance before Kevin Durant is eligible for free agency. And, you know, they're not even going to be able to field a healthy team in the playoffs without Ibaka and without Durant, especially they're, they're, they're not going to pose a threat to golden state. I mean, if, if Westbrook gets triple doubles every game, maybe, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's sad because they were looking that that Western conference playoffs was probably going to be the most intimidating competitive playoffs I've ever seen. But without those two guys, uh, OKC looks like an eighth seed, which means they're going to get knocked out. Well, it's still going to be very competitive. It just won't be a good one, eight matchup. I think all the other series will be. And I mean, don't sleep on the Pelicans. They could, Oklahoma City might not even make the playoffs. Anthony Davis get his first taste of the action. Uh, that's going to be yeah. a fun race to watch, but I ultimately think whoever wins it's going to be fodder for the Warriors, unless the Warriors have a catastrophic injury or something unforeseen, which obviously we hope doesn't happen. And uh, some yeah. some other news, uh, Steve Nash is retiring. He made his uh, announcement official. Uh, his last NBA game was November 10th, 2013. He, uh, I believe, only played six games last year out with an injury and then uh now is making it official retiring what do you think what do you think of steve nash 
Well, I loved watching him play. The Phoenix Suns in the mid-2000s were amazing and some of the most fun basketball to watch with him leading it and him winning the two MVPs at the time. He's third on the all-time assist league. Uh, a great talent, a guy that had to work for everything. He wasn't exactly a stud coming out of uh, Santa Clara uh, in the late 90s. Um, yeah, I love watching him play. I love I love watching a good, a good passer, a guy that can drop the dimes, so it'll be sad to see him go. I will say that uh, everyone already thought he retired, <laughs> yeah, I thought he retired. I, I, I thought he retired. I, I thought after last year he was gone. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess it's official now. I, the the lasting memory of those Suns teams it will be 2007 when I believe Robert Ory threw Steve Nash into the wall, and Amari Stoudemire got yes. suspended for getting up off the bench, which was one of the worst decisions the NBA has ever made. Yes. I, I know the letter of the rule. I understand why he was suspended, but that cost them the series. They lost Game Five in a bad way to the Spurs. Right up until then, each team had defended home court. Spurs got it in Phoenix and then came back and closed them out. Potentially, I got to stress the word potentially because even if they win Game Five, they still would have had to win another one. And assuming the Spurs win Game Six, anything can happen in Game Seven but certainly put a giant taint on that series. And you, you want, it's one of those wonder what ifs, but yeah, yeah what are you well, going to do? Well, and talking about what ifs, what if he had stayed healthy for a year along with Kobe and then a Dwight Howard in the middle, that was supposed to be the dream team and it just never came to fruition. Yeah. yeah. I think that the biggest taint on Steve Nash's legacy is the fact that he never even went to an NBA final. Certainly. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, two-time MVP, he's definitely, I, I would certainly think he'll be a contender for the Hall of Fame, if not in there. I, I have a hard time keeping a two-time MVP out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right, uh, you know, not getting a championship is definitely going to be the one knock on him, but a lot of great players didn't win rings, and Robert Ory has seven. Not to take anything away from Robert <laughs> Ory, but even he has openly joked about, you know, his uh, good fortune and you know being in the right situation so yeah. you know steve nash uh, all the best I, i'm with you I, I loved watching him in his prime he was so much fun to watch it was those suns teams were fun they scored like 120 points a night they didn't even need the rule changes for it they just did it yeah i think seven seconds or less was the their right. motto by the way rob manfred is the mlb commissioner awesome see we got also, it in there rob manfred <laughs> and i also wanted to this is backtracking a whole lot but back to our nba draft reform anthony davis would be a senior in college right now i just wanted to throw that out at some yeah, very point true. in this podcast well we could do a whole nother podcast of what if teams what if these guys had to stay for years and how that would have impacted well first off all these recruiting classes wouldn't have happened they'd go other places but you could yeah. load up on some pretty insane dream teams uh i think ucla would have had a few with kevin love and russell westbrook i mean well, they it, did play together, those two. Yeah, it, it could have it could have gotten crazy. So for sure, I just I had I when I read that stat, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" But <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> but yeah, man, do we've we've covered a ton of ground in this podcast. Kind of took a look at uh, all the leagues, covered some big issues. Uh, if you want to let us know what you think, you can always drop us a comment at FenleyRoadSports.com or tweet to us at FenleyRDSports. And uh, be sure to come back for our bonus edition, March Madness Part 2 podcast, where we recap the first round and see how our brackets are doing and uh, tease the Final Four. And we'll probably stick with our Final Four picks if they're all still alive. And hopefully they will still be alive when we, record, when we uh, get that edition out to you. And hopefully your bracket's doing well as well. So be sure to come back for that. Be sure to subscribe via iTunes and continue to support us. We definitely thank you for listening, and we'll be back again very soon. All right. See you, Chris. All right. Take it easy, bud.